You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. Wait, wait a minute. 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 I see what's going on here. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, the podcast where we find a movie that one of us hasn't seen, we talk about it, um, that one of us is usually David, who is joining me this week. I'm here. Yes, uh, I'm also joined by AJ. Hey. And Christina. Hi, hi. So, in keeping with tradition, um, David, you did not see the movie that we chose for this week before now, um, and that movie is the 1979 Ridley Scott film. Alien. Um, first of all, I'd like to say part of why we wanted to do this is uh, if you are listening to this, to this episode the day it comes out, that will be May 25th, 2019, 40 years to the day after this movie premiered. Um, so it is the, four, it's the 40th anniversary of the movie Alien, uh, a, a seminal horror film and sci-fi film. Um, I think of all time, but uh, somehow, David, you hadn't seen that. Now, I know you're not the biggest horror fan, right? And, yeah, that's... I haven't seen a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. This one kind of had more of a reason, just because I, it was horror, and I'm not really a, a horror person. No, so no. this one had a little more reasoning behind it than a lot of the other ones. I get that. Now, have you ever have you ever seen any of the Alien films? No. Okay. Uh, AJ, you've seen this before. Yes. Okay. I, I think I saw this when I was like 10. Yeah, no, that's um, a good age. It, 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 I get that it has a sense of horror, but I guess I've never classified it as a horror film. Well, I'm not a huge fan of horror myself. I got to say, I've always loved the Alien, you know, the series, even when they get a little less great than the originals because they just keep making them. <laughs> yeah, and Christina, you've seen this before, and I know you're a horror fan, so... Oh, yeah, many, many, many times. So, it, it's interesting, because the Alien films, I look at them as there's four Alien films. You can say Alien Covenant. I haven't seen that yet. Did not hear good things about it. I will see it at some point. Um, I don't count Prometheus as an Alien film. It's supposed to take place in the same universe precursor to it whatever it's not an alien film in my mind they are they've kind of evolved um if you look at this is a the first alien is a horror film it's haunted house in space is what it is and it actually kind of really created or at least in my mind created that that whole haunted house in space kind of genre there's been a few movies like that um most notably i think probably is event horizon Mm. Yep. which that movie owes a lot to Alien. Um, And Alien's obviously a better version of it. But, you know, Aliens, the second one, um, was much more of an action movie than it was a horror movie. 
this was very much suspense. It was very slow burn. Um, now, AJ, you say you're not a big horror fan. I think that might be why it works better for you, is because it's not your traditional. It's not a slasher film. It's not. It's. I mean, it is a monster film, but it's not a monster film. It's this haunt. It's it's this very slow build tension filled thing. Yeah, suspenseful. I, you know, you get suspense. Yeah, there's that suspense a- aspect versus, you know, the the traditional horror of Jason and Freddy and, uh, you know, all of those, which tend to be slasher flicks. This, yeah. I, I don't know, it just, it, it builds up. There's the music, it's not cliched. And yeah, there's a couple of, you know, small jumps but at the same time, there's like a really well done story. It's not just something came back from the dead and is killing people. It's, you know, well thought out, planned. You know, they were able to build on it other than just, you know, recycling the story over and over and over again, like a lot of horror films do, at least my limited experience. Yeah. So. Plus, it, it keeps the creature hidden, which is its biggest bonus. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because there was uh, trivia that um, a pitch for this movie was actually it's Jaws in space, uh, <laughs> which is very fitting because the I mean the alien doesn't show up for like an over an hour into the movie, and yeah. it is it is not your traditional monster movie in any way, but it's that slow build. And yes, you did mention there are jump scares. Now, there's a couple things to that. Number one is this movie earns its jump scares. It does. Too many movies just have jump scares for the sake of having a jump scare somewhere. This movie earns them. And number two, I felt, especially this last watch, um, when I'm really watching it, you know, much more analytically than just like, hey, it's Alien and I love this movie. It was, that was the, you know, the the butthole pressure release valve of like, you've built this tension and, and more and more and more and I'm getting further and further on the edge of my seat and then jump scare, I can relax for a second. Travis, do me a favor and never say butthole pressure release valve. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, that's how, I mean, that's basically what they did. They they would release that, that tension with a jump scare, but then yeah. just go right back to ratcheting it nice and slow and building it up. And like you said, AJ, the music or long stretches of time when there was no music. So... I was going to say also, you know, I'm not sure anyone would call it the the greatest flick from like a cinematography, you know, camera point, but it certainly is, is like leaps and bounds above, I think, almost every other horror film I've seen. Now that could be very limited scope, but, you know, there's, there is solid camera work versus, you know, I've never watched one of the, the Jason or Freddy movies and gone, gosh, they really did a great job with how this camera is coming this way or how they had someone come in the room. Right. Well, yeah. we're, we're going to come back a little bit to some of that because I have some thoughts on that. But first, I do want to ask David, your first viewing of it, you've never seen any of the Alien movies. You've probably seen clips. I mean, there's clips all over the place. But yeah. what did you think of it as a movie? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think there was a couple things that I wasn't a big fan of. Um, but then there was a lot of things I was a big fan of. Like you said, building the tension to the jump scares was deserved. Like the first 40 minutes of the movie, 50 minutes of the movie is ratcheting that tension up with the dark and dreary and, uh, 
And then they finally get to this planet, and he pokes the egg, and that's the first jump scare. That's your, that's your first indication that something's going to go wrong. Otherwise, it's just sort of dark and dreary and gloomy. Uh, otherwise, which in itself isn't necessarily horrific, but the, you're right. The music is spot on. Um, I, I was I was trying to rack count up the jump scares in my head, and I can only think of five. Yeah, there wasn't. It wasn't like there was a ton of jump scares, yeah, but they it, they placed them perfectly where they were effective and they were earned. They didn't feel cheap. Too many movies use jump scares cheaply. Jaws had only a few jump scares, but it knew when to use them. It, it's a sign of a a good director. I've never seen Jaws. Well, that'll probably end up being something you see this summer, so be ready for that. Um, but it's a sign of a good director to know when to use that. And Ridley Scott really does know that stuff. And this is early on for Ridley Scott, but this this was the movie that really put him on the map. I mean, after Alien was, then he got Blade Runner and he did Legend and he got to do all, all the stuff that he's done. And he's had a phenomenal career, but this movie really put him on the map. This movie put Sigourney Weaver on the map because it was just, this is such a wonderfully put together movie in terms of the pacing of it and uh, the use of jump scares, the use of atmosphere, uh, the use of foreshadowing. I mean, for instance, uh, Ian Holmes' character of Ash, you find out, He's an android, right? He's a robot. He he, um, which nothing gives that away up until they really reveal it. But if you go back and you watch it again, there are little things you can see that kind of tell you that he's maybe not on the up and up. And he, you know, yeah. can, I, can I say something about him? Yeah, just as a testament to the clips and things I've seen about this movie. The movie's been out forty years, and I've been alive for twenty-three of it. Uh, him being an android was a genuine surprise to me. Like, <laughs> it was the only twist in this movie. I I didn't know, and I, I when I when you first see him right after he confronts Ridley in the mother room, you can see he's like talking to her right before he fights her and tries to choke her in a super dumb way. <laughs> um, you see him sweating the milk or whatever. Yep. And uh, I actually thought, like, oh, man, I wonder what that is. I thought it was, uh, like, the alien acid or something. Like, he got, he had been turned somehow. Yeah, they did a and, really, really great job of hiding that fact. And there was a camera shot where she's, he's looking at her, and the camera does a, a pan and a twist behind his head. I thought they were going to show, like, alien stuff in the back of his head or something. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it I'm pretty sure I'd even watch like full summaries of this movie, and I don't know if I picked up on that. <laughs> well, so that, I mean, that's I thought it was well done. Yeah, they did their job, and uh, that scene is pretty interesting in its own right. Just kind of flipping things, and you you kind of always know there's going to be a, a quote unquote human antagonist in a, even in a monster movie. There's got to be one, yeah. um, but you never quite knew how they were going to reveal that. Now, when you if you go back and you watch it again, you'll notice little things with the way he interacts with people. Um, when right before uh, Kane has the chestburster, you see him and he's kind of just the look in his eyes as he's watching Kane, like, ooh, I know what's 
I know what's about to happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, talk about a good cast, too. I mean, top to bottom, this movie was cast really well. It's John Hurt Month on the TV's Travis. Have, wait, have you seen? Or whatever we call <laughs> it, show. It, kind okay. of, it kind of is, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, Sigourney Weaver, which this was her first major role. Um, and this really, I mean, really kind of, like I said, put her on the map. It made her a, a name that people knew. Um, Tom Skerritt as Dallas, and he's great. Um, you know, it's a pretty straightforward role, but it's he does a good job with that. Um, who? Okay, AJ, do you have a favorite character in the movie? Um, cause oh, it, it's it's yeah. My favorite character is going to be Ripley or the cat. I, I got to say, I just love the fact that they inserted. Uh, yeah, they they have a cat in space, and they actually use the cat. Like they actually, it's not just you know a prop. They also managed to go ahead and work the cat into a couple of scenes and have it, you know, really help out the storyline and, and playing its own part. And, but uh, um, yeah, I am curious though. Why do they have a cat on the ship? Are the is there space mice problems or what? I don't. I didn't understand. Now, part of what I liked about this movie was that they didn't explain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that might have been something that I kind of would have liked, like a tiny explanation, because I get the people. And you go into hypersleep and and whatnot for your long trips, but why a cat? Was it what? Because it didn't seem like it was any one of their cat. You know, it's not like somebody brought the cat along because it was their pet. They all sort of dealt with it. So I that was interesting. But I did like the cat. Um, maybe he's a crew member. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like I said, in space the, mice. In the extended stuff from the books and stuff, it's Ripley's cat. Okay. And I guess then you're gonna have to play the whole you know, faster than light or near, near light travel, you have to deal with relativity. And you know, if you're going to be gone for 40 years, kitty cat doesn't make it if yeah. they stay on earth. So, um, um, so AJ, you liked Ripley. Yep. And that's a good choice. I mean, she's a, she's well, a strong yeah. character, but also uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say like, one of the reasons I like her is, yeah. you know, the entire, you know, from waking up, through you know the end of the film she she typically makes the right decision yes you know, she, she's like hey let's do it this oh, way and yeah, everyone's she, like no it's like let's she, follow she the rules the, the, no yeah the entire thing if they would have listened to her like one of those times fewer people would have died yep I, <laughs> no you're absolutely right she well, go ahead the dude who directly circumvented it was the dude who was on the alien yes yeah and i mean obviously you know she but it was gonna be it would have been a lot more difficult for ash to get away with letting them in if dallas had agreed with ripley and said no you know what you're right that is protocol we'll wait then not only does ripley say it but now dallas has said it too so if he just pops the door open and says you guys need to come in here now he's getting questioned by more people. Whereas Dallas is just like, I just need to, to help my, you know, my crew member here. And or immediately after they drag him into the, you know, the medic bay and, you know, they have no protective gear. They're <laughs> taking no precautions. So, so we ignore any form of, you know, isolation and we're going to now crowd around him and like poke and prod at this thing that, 
I don't know if even if we had space flight, if if you were one of the people that were the first to see an alien organism and not some microbe, something attached to someone's face. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would want to be in there assisting some doctor, and I'd be looking at him sideways on why he thinks it's appropriate to go ahead and cut one of its legs off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, without, and, the, and then we scan. You know, we, we and then we scan. They but, literally have cryogenics. They could have thrown him in, in the freezer, gone gone back home, and, you know, let the, the company worry about it. Well, that was the thing. They were saying, why don't we just freeze him? Yeah. Oh, why yeah. Why don't we just freeze him? Why yep. aren't they freezing him? Now, I get Dallas not wanting or not thinking that way because you have to think about the fact that this crew, these are more, these are salvage people. So you got to think of them like intergalactic, uh, you know, inter, interstellar miners. miners or interstellar tow truck drivers are basically what they were because they were yeah. towing a ship back. So they're not thinking about things like that necessarily. You can say, oh, well, anybody who's doing space travel, but. You have to think about it from the from the aspect of at this point, space travel is probably pretty ubiquitous in doing this type of thing. If you have this collection of people that are on a ship going out this far, right? So, yeah, they're not thinking about that. Um, getting back to uh, characters, though. So, Christina, did you have a you have a favorite character in this movie? And oh, and the cat's it's been good. spoken for. So, no, it's definitely Ripley. Um, <laughs> I mean, I did enjoy the, I, all the characters have their points, but Ripley, I, growing up, I idolized Ripley. I mean, strong female characters, mm -hmm. definitely something for a young girl to idolize and want to be. Absolutely. And, you know, this was at a time when they, you didn't have characters like this. You know, the late yeah. 70s, early 80s, there weren't a lot of characters like this. Um, there certainly weren't a lot of female lead characters, but the ones when you did have a female lead, she was typically still kind of doing a damsel in distress thing. I mean, even Princess Leia in the, in the first Star Wars movie, she has some agency. She's defiant, but in a different way. Um, Comes across as spoiled. Yeah. A little yes. bit, yeah. Especially in the first movie. She, yeah. she grows as a character as you get into Empire and, and Return of the Jedi. But in the first movie, she's just kind of petulant. Um, but, it, you know, Ripley's a great... That is a great strong female character and what i liked well before i get to that david did you have a favorite character parker parker yeah. okay that's a good choice parker he's they were just a good combo well they were they were you know the the average everyman like look i'm just here collecting a paycheck i don't care about anything else but getting paid and going home yeah. um so <laughs> they're they're easy to relate to now i personally um while i, I love parker and brent i think it is brent brett Harry Dean, Harry Dean Stanton. That's who it is. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, I like those two, but I do think you know the best character in this movie is Ripley. What I liked about her was she is a strong female character, but she's a human character. Her reactions to things were how a person would actually react to these things. Not yeah. like an action star. Now, she kind of grew into being more... The character evolved... Um, into a little bit more of that but after going through what she did it makes sense but at this stage this Ripley I mean I love the moment after she's in the in the room with mother and her reaction to that is like such a real real way to deal with that information like I she didn't know what to do she had no idea how to take that 
at first. She's pissed off, but she's also frightened. And they've got this alien on the ship. And just, it's crazy. And that I liked a lot. So that was one thing I I really thought. It's interesting how you talk about the room with Mother and how Ash puts his head in. I think the average person in the situation they were in would have jumped the minute he started talking, which she waited until she saw him. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was a little jarring. She may have been used to his creepiness. Yeah, but it's tough to be used to things when there's a big murderous alien. It's true. Yes, but the alien doesn't talk. Well, (laughs) yes, but I also think noise would be startling in that instance. Good point. I mean, and there are some other things that, you know, if you want to go ahead and pick apart even the universe, one thing I really noticed on this watching was how we go from Egg to Face Clinger, and then Face Clinger dies off, and now Egg is inside person. We get the little chest popper. That that thing is, like, smaller than the cat. Mm-hmm. Without eating anything it's almost the size of a person. And so I, I did have that start to bother me as I was watching, rewatching it this time about everything else. I know, even if it grows quickly, it has to take things in and they, they kind of skip over that without any explanation, how something can go from the size of, you know, a small cat to a person in the matter of 12 hours without, you know, eating anything or almost nothing. Well, so. and again, that kind of comes to, you know, A, the, the creature is in, you know, the way Ash puts it, a perfect being, right? And Organ. a perfect organism. That's that's the word. But it's, uh, you're right. I mean, there is some suspension of disbelief there. But at the same time, we don't know the physiology of this thing at all, which is kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier about how this movie didn't explain a lot and I like that you know mm. I, I didn't hate Prometheus as a movie um, I thought it was fine but it also I'd have been fine if they didn't try to tie it to Alien in any way because mm. I think there's something about this movie standing kind of on its own and starting something that you don't know like okay they find that ship and they go inside the ship and they're looking around, and then they find this alien corpse, this fossil of this gigantic being. And right? I'm going to pause you there, because here, here again, we're going to go ahead and, and we've got three people who have never seen an alien before. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they're they walking through this like spaceship of fur a giant, and they run across this corpse. And they're like, this is so interesting. It looks to be fossilized. And it's like... You just uncovered proof that there were 12, 15-foot-tall alien beings at one point. I think you would have been more astonished, surprised, something besides the reactions provided. There's nothing to say that they've never seen an alien before or that there's no talk of aliens. There's nothing to say that. They just haven't found this particular species before. So I can kind of let that go. This is far enough in the future that that there could have been contact. I mean, we're traveling through space. So I get what you're saying. And you're right in that if they had never seen something like that before, the reactions might be, might seem kind of subdued, but I didn't get the impression that they, that nobody had ever seen an alien. 
There's no real I, evidence that they've never seen an alien before. They just I hadn't guess, seen that. I, I would have to go back and listen or like actually read through the script. But I thought that part of that first, you know, five minutes of dialogue, you know, we're going, oh, we're, how we're all woke up. Let's talk about, you know, I want a bonus. I want a full bonus. And then they're like, oh, we're not there yet. And it's like WTF. It's like, well, you know, this priority makes it so we have to stop if we ever. I guess something in that part of the conversation made me think that, you know, they had never encountered alien life before that this was some special phenomenon that, you know, we kept an eye out for, you know, the fact that we find out later that the company, you know, just inserted that in and said, Hey, we're going to have you stop here. Cause versus like an actual, you know, what it was supposed to be. I had just had the impression that, you know, they'd not encountered any form of alien life before that it was humans and, you know, all the way out to however far they got. Yeah, well, I you know it's possible. I just didn't get that feeling, but um, you know, it's just it when they when they get through that ship and they find the corpse and the you know of course there's the foreshadowing of the chestburster that came out of the the big uh, I think they call it the space jockey, um, <laughs> but then you know they go to that egg room and it's like okay so. You know, then your your brain starts to try and patch things together and starts to, to connect the dots. Like, well, did this ship have the eggs on it to begin with? Or did they run into them somewhere? Like, that's all the kind of stuff that I don't necessarily need to have explained. It's just, it's cool to have that rattling around in your head while this is all going on. So I liked the fact that this movie didn't try to be anything more than the story it was telling about this ship full of people and what they ran into and what happened to them. Um I will say it. it I, I might be one of the few people out there that, if I were to stumble upon a large group of what appeared to be eggs or even creatures, I, I probably wouldn't go sticking my, my my face as close as anyone else did. I just, I guess, have a personal. I don't think that puts you in as big a minority as you think it does. Ah, it happens well, all the time in the films. Like people go, exactly. "Huh, what is this? Let me." Nope. I, I prefer the, the Indiana Jones thing where it's kind of, you know, the, the sidekicks. What do you mean I have to stick my arm, you know, in the <laughs> crevice? There could be things. No, we're not doing that. I don't know what's back there. You know, it's, it's versus this is interesting. There are many of them and it's moving. Yeah, that's that's the first sign to get the to get out of there. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always really enjoyed that trope. And I love how it, as funny a movie as it was in National Treasure. <laughs> uh, Nick Cage like slams his head into the hole and then like starts freaking out and everyone's like, ah. oh yeah, that was that was a great moment in that movie. Um, like... <laughs> yeah, no, I I get what you're saying, but you know they really they set up Kane John Hurt's character to be the one to do that from the moment they they landed, where yeah, he's he like, to go. Yeah, yeah, he's like, no, I'll I'll go, and they're like, of course you would, you know. They, they really set him up. So it wasn't like it was out of character form. I get what you're saying. I probably would do the same way. I'd be like, you know what? That's a lot of things down there that I don't want to deal with. So um, I'm going to go back to the ship and make a sandwich. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just how I would be. But uh, I, I'm not saying like you should you don't volunteer to go out. I'm not saying you don't like wander around. I'm just saying when you find the first dead body, that that's a little red flag in the back <laughs> of your mind. Like, that body could have died naturally, but it's still sitting in like what might be a pilot's chair. Most most people don't die of natural causes in things like, you know, spaceship chair. 
Um, and then to run across eggs, I would just another little red flag. Go, hmm, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Just all this, not for me. Yeah, <laughs> not so much. Um, so the writer of the the original writers were um, two guys named Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. Now Dan O'Bannon has actually done quite a few things um, since this movie that you might have heard of before. Um, he wrote, so he wrote um, Dark Star, which was John uh, Carpenter's first movie. And, oh, uh, fun movie. Yeah, and then he wrote Alien. This was only his third uh, credit as a writer was Alien. Um, but he went on to, he wrote one of the stories in Heavy Metal. Okay. Um, did a movie called Blue Thunder. And then uh, he wrote and directed The Return of the Living Dead. Um, so he's kind of responsible for the whole zombies and brains thing because that was really the movie that started that, um, where they're, you know, like chanting brains. Uh, he also wrote Life Force, um, which is a movie that, that uh, we should have on here at some point. Um, I have not seen that. Nor uh, have I seen Dark Star. <laughs> I have. So Dark Star is uh, is very low budget, uh, mid seventies. Uh, Life Force is much bigger budget. Um, I have never seen it all the way through. I've seen clips of it, um, and that is one that I would like to see. Uh, it also has Sir Patrick Stewart in it. Um, <laughs> he so Dan O'Bannon also wrote uh, Total Recall screenplay, um, and. And the rest of his writing credits are all alien related as characters created by. Uh, but yeah, that was the big one was Return of the Living Dead and Life Force were two things that he did um, that uh, were of any note. But, um, you know, it, there were a lot there were a few writers for this movie uh, because I was reading some of the trivia and they had uh, they had a lot of rewrites and a lot of things redone and. At one point, Dan O'Bannon got kicked off the set because he was insulting Ridley Scott in front of everybody or something. So, uh, but the the other big star crew-wise um, is H.R. Giger. Uh, he did the designs of the alien and the uh, the alien vessel. Um, yep. And Amazing work. It really, really is. Uh, now, I did read that they had to tone some of the sexuality of his <laughs> stuff down. Um well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh just I mean is there a more iconic alien presence, alien being? Uh maybe maybe this side of uh the gray aliens? Um No. No, not at all. This is you you get gray alien from, you know, flying saucer and then you step 2 is you get this alien, the you know, Xenomorph. all black xenomorph. Yes, that you know, is gonna come bite you. Has kind of the the double jaw set, and which really wants to, you know, f you up and like turn you into more of it. Yeah, uh, it's just a crazy, <laughs> crazy good um, creature design and concept art. Uh, that if you ever get a chance to look at that stuff, you should because it's amazing. H.R. Giger was a phenomenal uh, I, concept artist. I actually knew his work by name before this. Yeah, well, he's well known. He he did um uh was it Jonathan Davis? Right, but he did Jonathan Davis's um custom mic stand that he's had for years was designed yeah. by HR Giger. Yeah, I knew that. Um, so I can 
I can see you having heard of Giger before seeing this movie, but this was a big thing um, for him to have done. Now, AJ, you had mentioned earlier about how the the camera work and everything was was okay in this and, movie. And I'm going to have to stop that back because I was taking a look. I mean, that's you know my opinion. I did not go to film school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I I did actually see that they did get a couple of awards. Um, not Oscars, but still, you know, I, I haven't, you know, submitted any films to any awards and gotten <laughs> any of them, regardless of whether it's an Oscar or some lesser known film, um, you know, film festival. Um, I did see that they did get a couple nominations, so um, I will try to walk some of that back. <laughs> you know, and that kind of comes back to what I was, how I was describing this movie as a haunted house in space, is they really let the Nostromo kind of be another character. In a way. Now, there were some some odd design choices of the ship. Like, for one, the whole thing looked like a big basement, which, you know, I get it. I mean, you know, first of all, that basement would make the ship really bottom heavy. But uh, it that was sort of a well, thing in the 70s. Yeah, well, that was outside, like the outside of it. But I'm talking about the internals of the Nostromo as they're walking around in it. Just everything was dark and dank and... That was, you know, that was the aesthetic that they were going for. And for the most part, I liked it. There were a few things that were just odd, like the dripping water in that one room. Have you ever been in a tow truck? Yes. <laughs> they don't drip that Very much water. Aesthetic. I, I understand. I'm, but like, I the, guess I'm going to say t- tugboat. My mind goes to tugboat. Yeah, because tugboat. Because we still have this, like, nautical theme, and they still accomplish similar. And I've seen some really rough-looking tugboats. That's true. I've never seen any that are dripping water out of the ceiling. <laughs> well, it was the it was the water dripping in the chains. It made no sense logically. And in fact, yeah. I think I read somewhere that even the producers were on set and they were like, what is this? Is, this makes no sense. But Ridley Scott wanted it there to, to give some kind of a sense of movement in the space. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't just a big open, empty seat. thing. They yeah. Now... Here's the thing. It's kind of dumb, and it doesn't make sense logically to have in a spaceship, but I liked it <laughs> yeah. because it, it was that atmosphere. The whole thing was building this atmosphere in this ship of of this kind of like uh, dark, dank, almost claustrophobic, but you know enough room to move around, but it, it was done so well. And I, for one, really, really like how Ridley Scott will let a shot sit and marinate you know he doesn't he doesn't cut like this is like the anti-michael bay i think (laughs) i i remember reading something about uh the rock and how the average shot length was less than four seconds in that movie (laughs) for the entirety of that movie in this there are so many of these slow panning shots and that and it that helps that tension just ratchet up because you keep waiting for something to happen. You keep waiting for something to come out of, you know, out of one side of the frame or out of the other side of the frame or through a door, and it it doesn't for most of the movie, and that's so well done, and it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful-looking movie. The lack of random cuts. Uh, One of the first things you see in the movie is people getting out of little sleep pods. There's a ton of quick random cuts at that time. And it was kind of jarring at the beginning, coming from the over-a-minute title card pan. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think is has become my favorite title reveal in any film. Isn't that great? That is such a great reveal of the title. So good. 
you can see where it's going, but you're like not sure, and then it becomes obvious. Yeah, that that's great. And you're right, there is some cuts there and like crossfades, but then after that, there's not a lot of quick cutting in this no. movie. It's very little. And even when they did have cuts that were kind of quick, it would it would go from a quick cut to long. You know, there would be a jump scare and then you would have to sit and think about that for a second. Uh, and you whether have to think about it with the characters, yeah, because they would be reacting to what they just heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really just beautifully uh, put together, and that's one of the things that I think makes this movie still hold up and still be a good suspenseful horror movie forty years later. Is they just they they took their time building everything and they earned everything they got in it. Um, yeah. I did think it was kind of funny how uh, she tries to self-destruct the ship and then wants to turn it off, and it just takes so damn long to do that she ends up blowing up the yeah, ship what's anyway. The point of, what's the point of having a countdown if you actually had to get there 25 seconds earlier? Right. <laughs> I will say, if we ever do make it to space, not just the moon or Mars, but far, far away, I really hope the engineers of the future do look back at some of these giant design flaws in this and many, <laughs> many, many other science fiction films as things to just not do. You know, I, the other one goes with uh, ducts large enough for you or I to crawl around with, crawl around in because it means something else can crawl around in there. You know, it's, yeah, they, could, or, they could have easily called it a maintenance shaft or something. Like that. I, I get it, but you get what I'm saying. It's just like from an engineering standpoint yeah. to think about, you know, it in the space is a little bit with the chains in the water, but just in general, I try to think in in that universe, like, oh, that was that. I'm not sure that would have been the best choice. Yeah, well, you know, and and, and two, I mean, a lot of a lot of that comes down to that's probably things that you know Ridley Scott and the art department decided on what they needed narratively and what they wanted visually in the oh, space. Yeah. Um, narratively, they need those air ducts um, because you can't have that scene with Dallas, which is probably my favorite scene in the movie is where he's crawling through the air duct and they've got the, you know, they'll have the iris in and iris out of those uh, junction gates and he's crawling through there with the um, uh, flamethrower. And, I mean, even simple things like there's a shot in that scene where the camera is tracking back as he's moving forward. So he's, Dallas is never getting any closer to the camera because it's tracking with him, and yet it almost feels like the the air duct is getting smaller around him. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Like he's getting more and more closed in as he moves along. Is how it felt. Um, you know, stuff like that. I I just think is brilliant because now he's getting even more and more uncomfortable, and he has no idea where this thing is, and he's got people talking to him in his ear, and he's trying to figure it out. It's just such a such a good scene. And obviously you need that, you need to have an air shaft to be able to do that narratively. So I get what you're saying. And, you know, that, that can be said too about all the computers and technology in this. I mean, it's definitely that late seventies, early eighties, uh, computer tech with the flashing, you know, flashing lights and big switches and everything that they had on there. Oh, buttons and buttons and buttons galore. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what keyboard they were using to talk to mother because they would type like three keys and a whole sentence would pop yeah. up. 
it's like a sonographer's keyboard. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Can, this... I, can I go back to the buck scene? Yeah, yeah. One, one thing that I noticed, and I just wanted to bring it up because it was funny because I watched the Everything Wrong With by CinemaSins <laughs> about the movie immediately after. I noticed it, and then he noticed it as well. The spotlight he had only pointed at his own face. He mm-hmm. never pointed it down the hallway. His only source of light he used was the flamethrower, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't I was, know. If... I was like, point it down the hallway, you fool. <laughs> Why? Use the flamethrower. It's going to kill whatever's down there, too. Either way, I mean, you know, look where you're going. But, uh, all right, so I that was my favorite scene. Um you know, Christina, do you have a favorite scene in this movie, or is it just kind of great for you from beginning to end? It's because I love the lore of the series, or the saga as well. It's pretty much great from beginning to end. Um, but if I were to be forced to pick one, uh, probably the scene where we first see the full-size alien, and uh, Jones is freaking out. Okay, so when Brett, ta- when Brett bites it. Yep. Yeah. That's a great yeah. one, too, because it's, it's that... Scene. Yeah, it's that slow build. You keep waiting, like... Is it going to happen? Because you know, you know, as soon as he splits from them, he's dead. Like this, this movie started the. Don't we should stay together? Yeah, don't uh, split the party. Let's proceed to not do that at all for the entire film. But you knew. I mean, the second he goes on his own, you know his character is dead. So now it's just waiting for it to happen. And I mean, that shot of him just taking his hat off and letting the water drip on his face. Just like a long shot. It goes for so long. And even when you know what's coming, even when you've seen it multiple times, you're just like, I'm, I was sitting here last night, like gripping my chair, like, ah, I know what's going to happen, but come on. It's a yell at the screen <laughs> moment for sure. Oh, totally. It's you know, that anticipation. Yes. Patient. <laughs> and that's what I mean about letting a shot just sit there and kind of stew, you know, that could have easily been, I mean, a, now part of it is the, the philosophy of filmmaking that was you know going on in the 70s and 80s versus what you have now. But I mean, today, I'm sorry, but most, most of your, anything in the last five or 10 years, there would have been five or six cuts in that, in that one shot <laughs> because they would have gotten it from different angles or you would have had some sort of a musical swell or something like that. And just to let it be no music just the sound of dripping water and a little chain rattle and Harry Dean Stanton just standing there letting water drip on his face. You know, nasty, probably runoff water of some kind from, you know, who knows what in the ship. But I love stuff like that because it's, it's, it really is effective at building and making you wonder what the hell is going to happen next. Even though you know dude's dying but you don't know how bad and apparently this movie also was more um was originally a lot more graphic uh than it even than it even was because i i had a thought while i was watching it last night that you know outside of two scenes it's really Mm -hmm. like pg-13 level in terms of visuals blood and that's it yeah there's the chest burster and the uh, scene where they with Ash, where they they knock his head off with the fire extinguisher, like that's pretty brutal. What about the right after 
uh, Ripley discovers Parker and the other gal. She's the other gal's like hanging. Yeah. Why is she hanging? Right. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing is you don't see anything. It's yeah. all left to your imagination. So, you know, I get... And there there also wasn't uh, much in the way of language. I think they dropped one F-bomb in the whole movie. One or two. So, you know, language-wise, it wasn't... It, this wasn't a hard R. Like, the as the series went on, they got more and more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not gratuitous, but uh, more visceral with their gore um, yeah. in the movies. Yeah, but, they actually had the aliens start ripping people apart. Yeah, this was very much all about the atmosphere. Uh, the that, second one, you've got an entire like platoon of Marines, and yeah, right. they yeah, a little bit of language in there. Yeah, <laughs> again, the difference between horror and action. Yeah. Oh yeah, certainly more of an action film. Second. Yep. I. Uh, but you know, it, it works in this movie's favor because. You remember, and granted, Aliens, the second one, is very memorable in its own right. I just, I feel like this was a better use of the alien character. There's only one of them, two, which makes a difference. But uh, I personally like this movie more than I like Aliens um, because of the long shots, the, the tension building that, you know, just puckering up the whole time type of thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to say, I prefer Aliens over Alien. Just, you know, it's it's a bit more... Uh, yeah, it's an action film where I guess th- number three kind of swings back a little bit the other way towards... There's, a, there's more suspense, I feel. And then, like, four, you really swing back the other way to, like, just action and, you know, shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Resurrection is... Highly underrated, in my opinion. Not highly underrated, but underrated. It was a better movie than people give it credit for. Yes. Alien 3... Alien 3 has its own issues. Um, it's... Again, though, it's better... Better than it has any reason to be. And part of that is because, I mean, this franchise, if you look at the first three movies, you've got three of the better directors of the last 40 years directed an Alien movie. Because it was Ridley Scott... Is James Cameron did the second one, and David Fincher directed Alien Three. That was his first feature film. So you know, and then I I don't remember who did Alien Resurrection, but he didn't do anything else I can think of off the top of my head. But I you can you can say to movie buffs those three names they're going to know who it is. You can say to some non movie buffs, you know Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David Fincher, they're going to either know it by name or they'll know movies that other movies that those people have done. Uh, so it's kind of cool that they all did an alien movie and very different alien movies too. All three of them are, are different styles. But with the same main character for the most part, number four, you kind of question that <laughs> um, and the same universe. I mean, oh, yeah. there's that consistency of, we haven't changed that. We still have Sigourney Weaver. Um, you know, playing what what kind of became uh, a common role for her because later on in her career, she she does a handful of cameos in sci-fi films, pretty much just for the fun of it. Um, My favorite James Cameron Alien movie featuring Sigourney Weaver is Out. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Alien, so genuinely can't comment. 
Oh, speaking of Avatar, apparently, um, how are they going to do that? Sigourney Weaver's character is in every is cre- listed in the credits uh, on IMDb for every one of the Avatar sequels. Maybe it's like an assumption thing. That could be. No, according to this, two of them are in post production. <laughs> well, to be fair, seeing how how long the first one took to you know produce, uh, the post production could still be a few years from now. I mean, be waiting, and a lot of that was okay. Generated. Yeah, maybe, maybe she'll be credited like as like a hologram or something. So, little little bit of a side note here, but um, has there has there ever been a movie that's made? that much money that is that is that culturally insignificant avatar yeah i mean yes it it made a ton of money and yes a lot of people saw that but how many people do you know put avatar as one of their favorite movies ever or one of or or one of the best movies they've ever seen or even <laughs> even uh like cracking top 10 lists you, you, you... Uh, i'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and just that just as there have been tons of movies that didn't do well became cult classics that we will see a resurgence in this i think it would be like only producing the first of uh you know like uh, the hobbit movies or you know lord of the rings i know that the book you know continues on but if you'd only done one you know you you even if it's amazing and just perfect it it feels like it falls flat a year later because there wasn't anything to really keep it going i I think you see this with um the weak attempt to do uh the golden compass a few years back you know the entire dark material series is actually just wonderful it is but Um, that movie didn't get a sequel not because it did really well but nobody wanted to make a sequel that movie didn't do well so it wasn't going to it did it it did not it was heavily marketed and and cost a ton of money to make and yes it won a couple of awards but it did so poorly at the box office that they weren't going to back it to make any more. Avatar dark materials though HBO is making a series. Yes, they are, and I hear it's actually pretty. It's uh, from from some things that it, it could be really good, but Avatar critics liked it at the time. Mm-hmm. audiences obviously I, loved it it's the highest at this point still the highest grossing film of all time worldwide and yet i i've seen it but you know it did not it didn't touch me in a way like um star wars like you know avengers and the the mcu like uh like a lot of i mean it just it, even titanic <laughs> Honestly, even Titanic, and I was not the biggest fan of that movie when it came out, but I've seen it since then. You know, it didn't have the same um, feeling as even Terminator, Terminator 2, you know, other James Cameron movies. It just, which is, you know, I get why they're making more of them. It's, but uh, it just, it's one of those where it it didn't need a sequel. Um and I just I I remember hearing that somewhere like a movie that made that much money that's that culturally insignificant because there isn't nearly the the fervor or the the franchise around something like a like an Avatar as there is other things I don't know it's just it amazes me that that movie made so much money but 
it just sort of was there and it's 10 years ago and that's that like it uh, i i think that my i i would i would put my money on these have the backing the actors the actresses the production teams to be phenomenal the amount of effort that went in up front even on number one although that was so long ago actually (laughs) i i think you're going to see this become something that people will say oh this is one of my favorite movies one of my favorite series i really think that this the problem here is you know you're you're given one of five at this point you know films that are going to tell a very massive story and you don't have that impact on people because you you stopped at like act one but it wasn't that's the thing so okay my my thoughts on this may change in 10 years when they finish the fifth one or whatever it's going to be i think it's slated to come out in 2027 so eight years Mm -hmm. maybe by then my thoughts will change but a, it didn't feel like an act one. It was a total, complete story that they told. And B, it just was okay, but it, it was just that. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It was technically proficiently done, but it wasn't great. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was a fairly mundane story, um, to be honest. Yeah. 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 It was, was a little. It was essentially Fern Gully in space. <laughs> you know, without Ro- without Robin Williams. Um, um, can I say something about Avatar? Go ahead. I don't know if you remember when it came out, but people were talking about how it did 3D at the time. Mm-hmm. Could it be that? And I remember stories of like whole theaters puking because the 3D was so realistic, or like had a higher frame rate or something that people weren't used to. Um, could it be that more people and I don't know how box office totals work 3D movies are more expensive to see could it be that more people saw it in 3D well that was part of it but it did I mean it did amazing worldwide you know the movie made 2.7 billion dollars so it's not like uh, it was all that that wasn't all from 3D sales however a good majority of it was because if you adjust for inflation I don't think it's still number one. I don't. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I can. And I will say, on a side note, the inflation-adjusted numbers are what, at least the news sources should use more regularly because they don't. Although, you know, if you billion... yeah, if you adjust for inflation, though, I think the highest-grossing film ever is still Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yeah, and which is something, especially because that's something everyone really should it watch. Even a really pricey ticket at the time. Well, you have to remember, though, too, that that movie came out pre-TV, so there was nothing to do. There was no form of entertainment other than the theater for plays or the movie theater. Like, that's what you had. So, of course... Moving picture shows. Yeah, of course that's going to make, you know, money because there wasn't anything else. Um, Quick thing, too. uh, So, the director of Alien Resurrection was um, Jean-Pierre Junot. And uh, he did um, City of Lost Children and Amelie, um, both of which I hear are really good things. Uh, so, yeah, just getting that out. But, no, I just, I'm not trying to put down the Avatar sequels before they come out. And obviously, there's been Disney rides dedicated to it and all that. It just, 
when Star Wars came out, Star Wars hit and it was a huge thing. And it created it was the highest grossing movie at the time. Yeah, and it created just such fandom. And I don't see that same fandom for Avatar. Does that make sense? Like there are things tied to it, like I say the the amusement park rides and Disney's obviously putting a ton of money into it, but I don't know of a of a like rabid fan base for Avatar. Like I no, see you, for you're Star not wrong. Trek. I remember it was huge and people spent money on all sorts of things related to Avatar. I mean I I I'm you know, thinking through it, I remember ads from, you know, Burger King and yeah. everything. Oh yeah, you know, it was marketed the, the, crazy. Oh yeah, just all over the place. And 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 I think everyone did get sucked in for uh, a year and a half into it and, and they made a lot of money. Um, but you're right, it, it wasn't horribly memorable. Uh, the rewatchability is a bit more limited compared to other things. I still hold, you know, my my bet is once we get through like number two and three, that's you're going to see kind of that like almost cl- cult classic spike where, yeah, and then it's going to come back because it's the start of what hopefully will be a phenomenal series. I mean, the amount of work. I remember when they first did it, they talked about how they brought in zoologists and linguists, and they're like, we're going to have our own language. It's going to follow linguistic rules. We're going to have, you know, biologists come in and, you know, develop this entire, you know, other world so that, like, they, you know, it exists. It makes sense. It's not just an afterthought of, hey, we need a planet to be on. Yeah. No, they, like I say, they did a lot. I'm just that. hoping that they, we actually see that flexed, you know, that yeah. that muscle gets flexed in these, you know, in this, you know, two through five and maybe more later. I now, mean, are they all going to, I wonder if they're all going to be directed by Cameron. I know he's doing two. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, dude's got tons of money, so. <laughs> um, but swinging back around, uh, coming back to Alien. Um, thank you. I don't know how <laughs> how I got down that rabbit hole, but uh, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> that must have been what it was. She was so good in this movie. And oh, I uh, yeah, I like her as an actress in general. She actually has a very very interesting up uh, upbringing because she, if I recall, she, she grew up very very comfortably. Like I believe lived in a house on Manhattan, not an apartment. Like wealthy. Um, That's possible. That she was born in Manhattan. Um, she went to, I think she went to Yale because she, she was in the running for this. And who was the other? Uh, was it Streisand? I think was the other actress that almost got the role of Ellen Ripley. Um, and Carthright was in the in the role for getting it before she got the other character. Yeah, that's true. Which okay, so. I know Christina knows the story, and I'm sure AJ's heard that. But David, have you heard the story about the chestburster scene? Uh, how they were not told in advance. They were not told. They they were told what was that there was going to be the chestburster, but not how much it was going to be and how uh, much blood was going to spray around. So her reaction in that shot is genuine. She did not expect to get covered in blood like that. I I don't of them often did. expect to be covered in blood like that. Isn't it funny, though, where the you know, directors surprise their actors like that, how you can get 
an even more realistic effect. I mean, it just it feels that much crisper. I always think back to um, Bruce Willis. Oh, Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we're going to let you go on three, one, two, and they let go. And there's just that look of shock on his face yep. because he was expecting it. And it's hard to get that, you know, that that spontaneity of, of reaction, even if you have an idea of what's going to happen. It just. Yeah, uh, it, just it definitely. I read this the other week that the director of the original Exorcist movie would fire guns on set during takes to get shock reaction well from. yeah <laughs> william friedkin william friedkin was a uh, was an interesting dude um he's the he also directed uh the french connection where the car chase towards the end of that where they're driving through the streets of new york chasing a train they shot without permits they just drove they through the streets crazy fast blowing through red lights to shoot that movie. So I believe that Bill Friedkin would have done something crazy like that uh, in that movie. But um, no, there was like, I think too, you see that with young directors. will try to take risks like that. You know, John McTiernan was still pretty young when he did Die Hard. Ridley Scott in this, still young man. And he also, another thing he did was he had Yafet Koto, um, Parker, really antagonize Sigourney Weaver in between takes and off camera so that there would be a more natural tension between them when they were shooting their scenes. And according to the trivia, uh, Yafet Koto was kind of a, uh, not a, not the biggest fan of doing that because he, he liked Sigourney Weaver, but he was asked to, to do that for the character. And it, you know, it worked because you really got that sense of like those two just put, put up with each other. You know, mm-hmm. that was the thing. And you can get this, much better with a small cast like this movie had. But I I believed that these people were, you know, confined with each other for extended periods of time. And very family-like, yes. Uh, I, I 100% believe that because just the way they interacted, the way that they played off of each other, uh, I thought was great. You know, you had your kind of little pockets, like, like Parker and Brett just... They were they were their own little clique and they they got along and you know didn't really care about anybody else type of thing so that helps to it helps to make you care about these characters so yeah uh, I mean I I love this movie David did you you liked the movie so it's good I'm glad you know you took a step out of your comfort zone to watch something horror related um, honestly it wasn't that scary um, I, I'm gonna picture david please watch the rest of them you know yeah. two three and four three is a little bit more suspenseful compared to the other two but um it's it's a it's a fun universe they've built well look if you I... like if you like david fincher uh movies then you'll probably like alien three because it is a fincher movie even though there is you know there was a lot of stuff that went on with the studio with that and maybe at some point if we ever do that movie on the show we can talk about that but no i, I agree with aj you should you should watch the other ones. They're they're good movies, especially Cameron's. You know, Aliens is such an iconic action blockbuster uh, sci-fi movie. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed this one for what it was. Um, as as suspenseful as a lot of the scenes and cuts were, 
I did feel that all of the things I knew that were going to scare me, namely the jump cuts, they were all pretty telegraph. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the only one that, like, genuinely made me jump was the arm on the escape ship. Um, <laughs> it gets everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. It well, may have been because I was focused on her at the time. It, uh, absolutely, yeah. No, you're focused on her. You're not prepared for that because yeah. that's supposed to be, you know, everything calming down and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, so. she made the she made the captain's log. She made the... Uh, she was chilling out. She was about to go to hypersleep or whatever they do. Yeah. In the smallest underwear that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. We talk about that. What <laughs> point could that have possibly served? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, she may as well have been wearing tape. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Which they actually were for the uh, I was say, at the opening. getting yeah. out of yeah. them. Because, yeah, there was tape covering their... Uh, Yep. No, that that always that that made me laugh every time I see that movie. Just <laughs> I don't know why. Um, well, excellent. No, that uh, I'm glad that you liked the movie, David. Um, you know, I don't like showing you a movie you haven't seen that you didn't like, and I've done that twice so far. So <laughs> it's good to get back onto the track of you know stuff that you enjoyed. Oh well, there was Tank Girl. What was the other one? Uh, you didn't. Well, you didn't dislike, but you didn't love uh, Fight Club. Mm. Oh, me? No, I liked Fight Club. Oh. It was me that didn't. Yeah, Christina. Oh. She okay. knew she wasn't going to like it. Yeah, that's true. Um, whereas this one, I tried to stay open. Tried to stay positive. Well, and, you know, uh, it's worth it. Well, I will say, Dave, if you go ahead and watch any of the other Alien films, I think it would be fun for us to go ahead and sit down and discuss one of the Alien versus Predator films. I would have to watch a- Predator. Well, that's going on the list. Okay, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that, there, there's a lot to be spoken about the AVP films. Um, I don't think most of it is particularly nice, but, uh, you know, it's it interesting. how to some of the lore, but... That's about it. I, uh, I played one of the Alien vs. Predator games where you could play as Alien, Predator, or Human. Yeah. And the human campaign is one of the best horror games I've ever played. Yeah, I also so like to think good. of that as first-person uh, StarCraft. Yeah. You're either Terran, Protoss, or Zerg. Exactly. It's pretty much the same thing. You know, Predator's a little less, uh, gl- you know, glittery, but... Well, the first Predator, really, I have not seen the most recent Predator. Um... Uh, I will say I have. I enjoyed it. I know plenty of other people who think I'm a dumbass because of that. They they just hated the film and they don't see anything worth you know. There's it's a waste of time. Well, it, I, I liked it. The I ending it, was camp. I don't know. I I want to see it because I like Shane Black. But David, I do think that you should definitely see, if nothing else, at least the first two Predator movies. Um, but we'll we'll have to put that on the list because. The first Predator movie is one of the best just straight-up action movies of the 1980s. Get to the chopper! So, and if you like Arnold Schwarzenegger okay. at all, you'll like that movie. It's, it is, it is well, we'll save that for a later time. Um, but no, uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for you know coming on this week. Um, this is one of the better... Uh, one of my favorite, you know, it's, this is my top 10 movies. 
Um, so this was a cool one for me. And it was nice to be able to do this for the 40th anniversary. Because uh, it's, it's crazy to think that this movie was made 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you guys haven't seen them yet, don't forget to check out those shorts they did specifically for the 40th. Those were amazing. Oh, yeah. I have, to. I have not done that yet. All right. Well, uh, one one last time. Um, so this show comes out on Saturdays, and uh, you can find it at tvstravis.com. There's a big subscribe button right there. You can also go into your favorite podcast app and search. You should find it. It's called Wait, You Haven't Seen. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere like that. Um, go onto the website. You can uh, leave us comments there if you have a movie that you want to, you know, you want to suggest for us. Uh, you want to give us any kind of feedback. Um, also, feedback in uh, things like Apple Podcasts uh, is a huge help. So if you can, you can get in there and leave a review, that would be great. Um, that helps us to kind of get exposed more so more people can find the show. Um, but I want to thank uh, all three of you for joining me this week. Um, and uh, go ahead and give some kind of a sign-off, starting with Christina. Just be sure to watch all those movies. <laughs> and AJ, thanks. Yeah, enjoying the year. Well said. Stuck the landing. <laughs> and uh, David, thank you as well. Yes, please do not punish me with more horror. <laughs> I'll, more I'll, horror, the better. We'll, I'll we'll wait until October, please. Yeah, we'll give you a little bit of time before we make you watch another horror movie, all right? Okay. Okay. Honestly, I was fine. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But, uh, maybe I've matured. Maybe. You're, getting, you're, 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 you're all grown up. Uh, so yeah, this has been, (laughs) this has been wait, you haven't seen and, um, join us next week. I don't know what the movie is yet, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure that one out and, uh, we'll be out again in a week. So join us for that. Um, so until then, enjoy your movies. This has been wait, you haven't seen. <laughs> What's the matter? The food ain't that bad, baby. Okay. <laughs>